0: Uh, so if you're taking notes this morning, I, um, I have titled this message called What You're Looking At. And you kind of have to do it in that um, white girl attitude kind of sounding way. But what you're looking at. And if you're taking notes this morning, that is the title of our message. Um, <clears throat> this morning, it is my, the church that I grew up in. It is their 30th birthday this morning, and so my heart is tiny little bit there this morning celebrating with what, uh, what has been achieved there, uh, but it's mainly here, completely here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go and see them tonight. But at, at that church, we used to do these things. Um, every now and then, uh, someone would come up with a wonderful idea to do a bush barn dance, And um, everyone, for some reason, would just go, yeah, that's a great idea. I still think it's a great idea. But um, some people don't agree with me. But anyway, so we would have these bush barn dances. And there was one particular man in our church who, to put it kindly, um, was known to have a wandering eye. And um, he was at one of these particular bush barn dances. And we'd spent a couple of weeks learning the dances, like, doing that and I don't know we're doing this particular dance and it was the one where one of the ones where women are in the middle and men are on the outside and then you move to the next I should know that being a, I teach this but I don't know what it was anyway so I could see that uh, my mom was the partner in front of me and we were having a good laugh and the next partner that she came to in the circle was our wandering eye man and um and so mum comes to, actually, my friends and I called him the chilli man because he would bring bottles of chilli to church all the time. I don't know why. So affectionately known as the chilli man. So mum got the chilli man with a wandering eye. And, um, and not very long into the dance, you start to see the eye wander and round the Deglige area. And I hear my mum do a polite... <coughs> and uh, nothing changed. A few more polite, a few accentuated toe taps in his direction and nothing changed. And then I just see my mum drop her hands, grab his chin and just go, eyes up. And uh, what you're looking at is um, what we're talking about. And sometimes we need a good old spiritual eyes up. And uh, that's what we're talking about This morning and our story takes place in the book of 2 Kings chapter 6 where uh, one of Elisha's servants gets a good eyes up and uh, we find Elisha coming under a little bit of heat in this story because of the military advice he is giving the king of Israel and um, some other kings who want to kill them aren't too happy about that so we're going to pick up in 2 Kings 6 verses 8 if you have your Bibles if not it'll be on the screens And it says, one time when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, after consulting with his officers, he said, at such and such a place, I want an ambush sent. The holy man, being Elisha, sent a message to the king of Israel, watch out when you're passing this place, because Aram has set an ambush there. So the king of Israel sent word concerning the place of which the holy man had warned him. And this kind of thing was happening all the time. The king of Aram was furious over all of this and he called all his officers together and said, tell me who is leaking information to the king of Israel? Who is the spy in our ranks? But one of the men said, "No, master, dear king, it's not any of us, it's Elisha, the prophet in Israel. He tells the king, everything, king of Israel, everything you say, even what you whisper in your bedroom. The king said, go and find out where he is. I'll send someone and I'll capture him. I don't know why he didn't think Elisha wouldn't hear that. But the report came back. He's in Dothan. And then he dispatched horses and chariots, an impressive fighting force. In other versions, you will see a battalion, 800 soldiers to go get one man, a little bit of overkill. But they came by night and surrounded the city. Early in the morning, a servant of the holy man got up and went out surprise horses and chariots surrounding the city a young man excla- the young man exclaimed oh master what shall we do and in the niv i like how he prays he goes oh no my lord i wonder if that is um, the most commonly prayed prayer in all of history oh no my lord and do you ever get up in the morning and already feel surrounded already feel like You are hemmed in on every side that the devil, before you've even got the covers off, he has yelled surprise on you that day. And um, that is what Elisha and his servant have woken up to and uh, problems surrounding, issues surrounding the whole enemy has absolutely surrounded the whole city. There is not one space where there is not enemy around them. And so the servant prays, oh no, my Lord. And in verse 16, Elisha says, I like to think Elisha had a bit of a, you know, that smug face that you have when you know something and someone's about to find out they're they're gonna love it. He says, don't worry about it. There's more on our side than there is on theirs. Elisha, (laughs) it's just you and me, man. It's just you and me out here. Now, Dotham's not a big town. It is, it's so small that 800 men could surround it. Um, Dotham, complete side note, is actually the town where Joseph, our um, last hero from our last series, was actually thrown into the well, into the cistern. It has nothing to do with the um, story, but good to know. Um, but I'm sure at this stage, the servant was just starting to look around. He's trying to count who is with them and who is against them. And uh, he could see the sum total of two at the moment. And uh, there may have been other people out there going to the well because the town was situated between two wells. And, but I, I'm sure Elisha, Elisha's servant that morning would have been thinking, all right, you have taught me a lot, Elisha. But this morning I'm going to teach you something. How to count How to count. There's two of them. And then Elisha prayed, Oh God, open his eyes. If I were the servant, I would have hoped he prayed something like this. Oh God, send back (laughs) up. But he said, open his eyes. And Elisha, this guy that we have come to know and love over the last few weeks, we know he sees things kind of differently. He is the prophet in all the Bible who completed the most amount of miracles. Why? Because he saw things differently. When the first miracle that we saw him, he purified the water. He walked into a town and they're like, Elisha, the water sucks. It's killing everyone. No one can drink it. Now, you and I might have gone into a, situ- got into a thought mode of, all right, well, we'll put on a fundraiser and we'll raise some money and I'm sure we can ship in some water and everyone will be fine. We would have gone for the solution. But I'm so glad that Elisha saw this differently. I'm so glad that he called for salt to purify the water. I'm glad that he did that because how else would we have known centuries later when Jesus says that you're the salt of the earth? How would we know that we were meant to purify toxic situations because when we're dropped in to those situations that are hopeless and lifeless and don't call any life or goodness forwards, we can, by the power of Jesus Christ because we're the salt of the earth, purify that which is dead. How else would we have known I'm so glad he saw the woman with a little bit of oil differently. I'm so glad that when she came up to him at, his, at her wit's end, I have nothing. I have no food. I have this tiny bit of water and the debtors are going to take my sons. I am so glad he saw that differently and didn't say, well, come and stay at my house till we figure it out. I'm so glad he saw it definitely and said, well, what do you got? He said, not much. Good, because that's the starting place of a whole lot for God. I'm so glad that he said, don't just get a jar to fill the oil that you have, but get a jar, get jars more than you can ever imagine. Get all the jars from everyone that you can get and fill them with oil because he knew and he saw that God wasn't limited by his capability, but only by our capacity to receive what he's got for us. I'm glad he saw it that way. I'm glad he saw it that way. I'm glad he saw the Shunammite woman differently. I'm glad than when the woman stood in his doorway and said, I'm good, I need nothing at all that he saw it differently. And he saw past good and he knew God wanted supernatural. And so he spoke into that dead womb and spoke life into her and that she would learn a lesson and we would learn a lesson that without God, nothing can happen. And But we would learn that lesson that as long as as the Lord lives, I'm not leaving your side. I'm glad that he saw the axe head differently. I'm glad he didn't just say, you silly duffer. Who put him on chopping duties? No more axes for you. No more. But he looked beneath the surface and he saw past the problem. And he saw what was lost and called it forth that that we would learn many, many years later that that which is lost through the power of Jesus Christ can be restored, be made new and regained again. I'm glad he looked at it differently. This man looked at life differently. He looked beyond the surface. He didn't just look for solutions. He looked for salvation. And so I... uh, think that Elisha could be forgiven for being in many situations where he went, "What are you looking at? Do you know I not see what I see? What are you looking at?" And so we find him here standing with his petrified servant, surrounded by the enemy, hemmed in on every side, no escape, no escape at all. And he prays in verse 17. Lord, I pray you open his eyes that he may see and that the Lord, and the Lord opened the young man's eyes and he saw and behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Can you see that? The whole hills were filled with horses of chariots of fire. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say when Elisha prayed, God sent the horses and chariots of fire. They were already there. They were already there. In Psalm 46 verse one, it says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever present help in time and need, ever present. He didn't go missing. Their eyes were just closed to it, ever present. God didn't turn up and go, I had no idea they'd be here this quick. Ever present, and while they were setting up overnight, he was already there. In Psalm 121, it says, Who keeps you will not slumber. He wasn't asleep on the job while that army was setting up. They were there, they were there. Your help is here. You just need to open your eyes. Some of us need to give a good spiritual. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Lift your eyes, your help is here. It's not a question if if God will send it. It's can you see it? Can you see it? The Lord is an ever-present help in time of need. All-sufficient, all-powerful. And John 16.33 promises, not a wonderful promise, but it gets there, that I've told you these things, that you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. There will be days you wake up and you feel surrounded. There will be times that there will be problems that you feel you will never, ever see an answer to. But the hills were filled with chariots of fire. Sometimes we wish that it went, Elisha, chariots of fire, and the enemy on the outside. That way the the enemy would never even get close, we wouldn't even see a problem we wouldn't even have to go through any of the battles because we just have this guard of protection we wouldn't actually have to face anything we wish it would be like that sometimes we wish there wouldn't be heartache sometimes or pain or failure but could it be that God is asking us to look through the problem to see his possibility or look through the pain that you might see your purpose or you might need to fail a few times to realize he's faithful God, he he protects us, but it doesn't promise that there won't be things that will test our faith. But God says, look to the hills for that is where my help comes from. That's where my help comes from. Eyes up. Eyes up. Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord. Some of us need a good eyes up this morning. You have been memorizing your enemy's face for far too long. You know everything they're wearing. You know everything about it. Eyes up. Eyes up. What you looking at? You still looking at that failure? Are you still looking at that disappointment? Are you still looking at that divorce? Are you still looking at that debt? Are you still looking at that argument, that thing you wish you could take back, that addiction? Are you still looking at that? Eyes up, eyes up. See that the hills are filled with your answer. Ever present, not late, there, but open your eyes. Take a look at the different prayers that they prayed. The servant, oh no, my Lord. I actually heard um, a sermon on this the other week, and they were talking about that if you look at Oh No, My Lord, it's the start of the letters is L-M-N-O, like in the alphabet. L-M-N-O. Anyway, um, so that might make you remember something. I don't know. Anyway, Oh No, My Lord was his prayer. And then Elisha, opened his eyes, O oh Lord. Open his eyes. Both prayers are a direct result of their reality. It wasn't their circumstances that changed. It was the way they saw their circumstances. They were both in the very same circumstance. How can one person be going through that and one person going through the same thing? But you have joy. How do you have peace? How are you getting through that? Sanely, I left my eyes. I see something different. And your prayer life will be a direct result of your reality. What you see. Elisha prayed very differently to the servant. The servant prayed as if they were done for. Elisha prayed because he knew his enemy was done for. And what I want you to take from that is what your eyes are open to is what you'll have access to hello. What your eyes are open to will determine what you have access to. Elisha could pray that prayer because he knew what he had access to. If your eyes are shut to it, how will you know to call on it? If you think you're alone and surrounded by the enemy, your prayer will always be, oh no. But when you know that God is on your side, it changes the way you speak. It changes from I'm broke to I'm blessed. To I don't think I'll make it, to God will make it. I am heartbroken, but I know that my God can make me new again. I don't see an answer in this, but I know God's got it. It changes the way that you speak when your eyes are open to what you have access to. Too many of us today are living in defeat. Yes, we, de- we say that Jesus is our saviour, but walk around defeated. Left our eyes. The next verse talks about the armies, and, and it was almost as if the armies of the Most High God were just waiting, waiting on Elisha's word, on your word, Elisha. On your word, we're ready. And verse 18, when the Arameans attacked, see just because help was there didn't mean the attack didn't come. When the Arameans attack, Elisha prayed to God, strike these people blind and God struck them blind just as Elisha said, you can't give a word unless you can see the warriors. You cannot give the word to do this Lord unless you see who is there on your side. It's time to lift our eyes. What are you looking at? What is the center of your focus? Because if it's not Jesus, it's not enough. It could be that God is trying to show you that his power and his restorative power, his saving grace, his forgiveness, his provision is the very thing he wants to show himself through the thing that you're own knowing about. See, at um, the start of this year, God used the pain of hunger through the fast we were doing to lift my eyes to something. And up until January this year, I was actually very fearful of staying at home on my own. I'm a grown woman, and I wouldn't stay at home on my own. I would always Luke would go away and. I would always go to my parents or to my sisters. There was just no way. Come on, I live in Waratah. I wasn't staying on my own. And I remember we were nearing to the end of the fast. And I was walking up the road to my parents' house and so vividly I felt one there and one there, two enormous guardian angels. Never have I experienced that before. Never I could sense the armor they were wearing. I could sense that they were carrying shields. I could sense that they had swords. I knew they were with me. I've never, ever known that before. And then I I obviously started praying about that. Um, That was new for me. And then the Lord showed me exactly where they stand as I slept. One at the front door and one at the back. And I have never been scared to sleep in my house alone ever again because my reality has changed. I see my protection. I don't, see, I don't know where they are right now if you're thinking, are they with you? Like, do they follow everywhere? I don't know. But I knew that day that my eyes were lifted from my fear to his faithfulness. And never again will I worry about whether I'm protected on my own because the truth is I'm not on my own. I am covered and surrounded front and back by my Lord and Savior. And it was only a few weeks after that I went up to Fingal Bay. The family was going up to Fingal Bay for the uh, for the weekend and I went up early because I wanted to get a run in and a swim and I I did my run, and I went for a swim, and if anyone knows Fingal, you can walk out a long way before it gets deep, and so I had walked out a long way, and um, I was just there having a paddle, I was on my own, the family wasn't there yet, and out of the corner of my eye, I could see a man walking into the water, and he was fully clothed, and he walked straight up to me, it took him a while. But he walked straight up to me and engaged in this conversation. And the moment he started speaking, I thought, uh-oh, I'm in trouble here. And the conversation went along the lines of, are you alone? Well, who are you with and where are they? And the moment he had asked me that, my spirit just went, now. As if I was commanding those angels that I had seen weeks before. The moment my spirit prayed now, he just turned away and walked away. My reality changed because my eyes were lifted. And you don't know what you have access to unless your eyes are open to it. I knew to give the word because I knew who was waiting on my word. Who's waiting on your word to go to battle on behalf of you. And I'm not saying Angels are meant to appear everywhere. You know what? I could have learned that truth from the word. But somehow my eyes were lifted that day. And I'll never be the same. You might think that's weird to talk about angels. Well, (laughs) Penny says, nah, it's not, so it's not. It's not, it's not. It's not. Because we believe that a man who died on a cross 2,000 years ago, blood saves us and sends us to eternal life with Jesus Christ. So if we can believe that, I think we can believe that we have people with us that God sends to protect and look out and wait for our word when we need him. This morning, I believe that God has asked me to say to someone, Eyes up. Although you may be surrounded by your problem, God is surrounding it. You've looked at that problem long enough. You have looked at that disappointment long enough. What went wrong? What's going to go right? Lift your eyes to the hills for there my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth and he does not slumber. Lift your eyes. Could it be that God is not taking away that problem because he is asking you to look through, see it through, see through it to see the greatness of God? Because if we never went through anything, we'd think it was us, that was strong. We would think it was us that was just getting by. But sometimes we need a need to show His supply. We need a problem to to show His prosperity. We need to look through something to see how good God is. After all, we look through the symbol of death to see Jesus Christ, our living and breathing Savior. What if He's calling you to look through that very thing you wake up and go, is it there again? Am I surrounded again? What if he's calling you to look straight through that and look to the hills? That is where your help comes from. Lift your eyes, church. Lift your eyes. Yes, there has been some shocks along the way and disappointments and I didn't plan on that. But God is the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he'll be the same tomorrow. He is your ever-present help in times of need. 2 Chronicles sixteen nine says, For the Lord, the eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth, looking for people whose hearts are perfect towards him, so he can show his great power in helping them. You don't need great power or help if you don't have great opposition or great need. God is looking for those that he can show himself great power in helping them. Paul says in Philippians 4, and, and it's such a common verse, Everyone, lots of people would know it, but I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of contentment in every situation, whether to be full of stomach or hunger, plenty or want. For I can do everything God asks me to do with the help of Christ, who gives me the strength and power. You don't need strength and power unless there's something coming against you. God is here, God is your ever-present help in time of need and he is looking throughout the earth to see if there's someone looking to him so he can show himself faithful. You don't have to carry around that hurt and disappointment and the problem, it does not have to surround you. Look to the hills to see what is surrounding it. It is the Lord most high, your ever-present help. Some of you might not uh, be thinking this morning, I don't have any problems. Could I suggest that maybe this next verse gives us a little insight into the heart Elisha had? He knew that who was there on his call, he called them to be blind, and someone whose eyes would just be on themselves would go, well, that worked. Let's go back in, we'll take the water, we'll do our thing. But in the very next verse, Elisha calls out to the enemy and says, hey, not that way, not this city. I will take you to the man you are looking for. And the story goes on and he led them right into Samaria and the king says, should I kill them? He goes, no, don't kill them, feed them, fed them. And there was peace in the land. In that Chronicles verse it says God's looking for hearts that are perfect towards him. Elisha had a perfect heart. It was not focused on himself. His whole aim of winning that victory was, I will take you to the man you are looking for. And our job as Christians, as we overcome, as we come to see that their help is on the hills, is not to turn around and go, well, that worked. Let's go back home. But to call out to the blind and the lost of this world and say, I will show you where you want to go. I will show you the man you you are looking for that is why we have help that is why our victory is ever present that is why the spirit of God wants to live inside of us that we would forever be showing blind people the man they're looking for what you're looking at what are you looking at it's very easy to tell it's Usually what most of your thoughts are contained with. I just can't get off that thought. It could be a sickness. It could be a failure. It could be, I don't know what problem surrounding you. I don't know what you woke up to when the devil said surprise. We got a bigger surprise. And if you can't see it, if you're just going, I can't see it, I cannot see a way out of this. Elisha prayed that that servant, would open, his eyes would be open. But there was a day where Elisha needed Elijah to show him a horse and chariot of fire. If you are sitting there today, I cannot see it. I have no idea how I'll see it. Who are you asking to pray with you? Open my eyes. Because not once did we see a chariot of fire was the person on their own. We are in a church that we would stand together and we would ask people to say, open my eyes. That's why I love the men's mentoring thing that's starting up. That people would get together and go, pray with me. Open my eyes. I can't see out of this. What are you looking at this morning? I've um, asked Phil and Joel to do a song this morning, which I find is highly appropriate. That'd be now, and um, and the, ver- the uh, chorus says, "Through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, my eyes are on you." Some of us today have had our eyes so fixed on our problems, so fixed on our enemy, and today it might just be that you need to pray, "Open my eyes." Or lift my eyes, God. Lift my eyes. Eyes up. And I pray as as they sing this song, I'd love it if we could stand. And if you want prayer, because not once were they on their own when they asked for their eyes to be opened. And if you need someone to stand next to you and go, all right, I can't see through this problem. I am surrounded, every single side, no way out. Stand with me and pray, lift my eyes, open my eyes. We will do that. Because God is faithful today. He was faithful yesterday and He'll be faithful tomorrow. He is the ever-present help. In time of need. Ever present. He is here now. Your help is here now. In Jesus name. Amen.